Well, good morning and welcome to Epic. My name is Jake. I'm on staff here at Epic. Hey, it's so good to see each and every one of you here today. Thank you for joining us. And if you are joining us uh, from home today or wherever you are joining us from online, thank you so much for, for tuning in and finding us online. As we start out this morning, I want to ask you a question. Do we have any competitive people in the room today? There's a few hands going up. All right. Some hands went up really fast. Uh, now, are, are some of you so competitive that you're willing to find an edge to win? Maybe even cheat just a little. Is anybody? Okay, I see some people being honest out there. That's good. So sometimes you want to win so badly that you're willing to cut corners or, or cheat just a little to find an edge. Now, what about uh, winning at the game of life? I'm not talking about that, uh, that 80s 3D board game with the Wheel of Fortune spinner. Remember every time you spun that thing, it would fall off and go wiping out like little cars all over the board. I'm not talking about that game of life, but in real life, is anybody as concerned about winning in the game of life as they are concerned about winning when it comes to competition or other things? Now, we just saw uh, in this uh, video here a little play on the game of Simon Says, or calling it Solomon Says. And thinking about Simon Says, how do you win at the game of Simon Says? You pretty much have to do two things really good, right? You have to listen closely, and you have to follow exactly. It's all about listening and doing. But what makes a game like Simon Says a little bit tricky is that, you know, when you think about it, it's a fairly simple game. We all know our right hand from our left hand. We all know how to touch our nose and jump on one foot, don't we? There's nothing usually in the game of Simon Says that is beyond our physical capabilities. But what makes Simon Says so tricky to win is usually the person who's leading Simon Says, their whole goal and objective is to try to confuse you and to trick you, right? They'll get you going into a pattern so quick. Simon Says, raise your right hand. Simon Says, your left hand. And then they'll get you spinning in circles. And then they'll throw something in that you weren't expecting, and sometimes that's a good parallel for life, right? We all want to win at life, and it sounds fairly simple to win at life, but there's so many distractions throughout our life that are trying to throw you off and get you off of your game. So I was a youth pastor for many years. One of the ways that I would uh, trick our students when we were playing Simon Says, I'll give you a little example of it here. So we'd be playing Simon Says, and I would get the whole, all the whole student ministry all revved up, and I'd be like, are you guys ready to play Simon Says? And the place goes crazy, and I'd be like, all right, we're going to play. So if you are ready, Simon Says, yell ready. Everybody yells ready. And then I'd look at him and be like, that was weak. You guys can do better. If you're ready to play Simon Says, yell ready. And of course, they would all yell. But that second time, remember, Simon didn't say. And so instantly, most of the youth group was out just like that. And they hated me for it. Uh, but you're always trying to find a way to confuse the people you're playing with. Well, we're beginning a new sermon series today called Solomon Says. And just like you can win as Simon says, by listening closely and following exactly, you can win at the game of life by listening closely and following exactly to the words of Solomon, the wisdom that is found within the book of Proverbs. Now, when I was growing up, my mom, she didn't necessarily say that I was a wise person. She often told me to stop being wise with her, whatever that means, right? Uh, but she did say that I had a good head on my shoulders. I was never the smartest kid in my class, except for a couple years when I was homeschooled, then I was top of my class. But for the most part, I was never the smartest kid in my class. But I had a couple just natural leadership qualities, and I had just enough street smarts that usually I would make good decisions at the right time. 
However, even though I had a, a decent head on my shoulders, I'd been prone to make a few mistakes as a teenager, and even well into my 20s, 30s, and 40s, still making mistakes. You know, there's been times throughout my life where I've been, I've been tempted to, to take like, a, a momentary diversion, make a few mistakes, and even though I may have listened closely, I may not have followed exactly to what I needed to. Remember, it was uh, June of 1996. It was my senior year, so excited to be graduating high school. And uh, there was a rumor going among the seniors that it was going to be senior skip day. And uh, does anybody, do they still do senior skip day? All right, I see a lot of head shaking. So, all right, so this rumor's going around that on this day, you know, at like 10 o'clock, all the seniors are going to get up and they're going to leave the school, right? And so that day, uh, a PA announcement comes across, and it's the principal. And he says that any senior who's caught uh, skipping school that day, they're not going to be eligible to walk during graduation. Now, do you think that stopped a whole bunch of 17 and 18-year-old students from skipping anyway? No, absolutely not. So sure enough, it hits 10 o'clock, and you see bodies just kind of stepping up and walking out the door. Now, that particular class didn't end until about 10, 17, but people are getting up and leaving. And so here I am. I find myself standing up, going with the crowd, getting ready to participate in senior skip day, even though I knew the consequences that were out there. Now, the particular hallway that I decided to escape down just happened to be the same one that the principal was walking down. And so he sees me coming. <laughs> and he's like, Snowden, where are you going? Aren't you supposed to be in class? And I was like, I'm trying to keep it light. So I'm like, well, it's senior skip day, so I'm just going to take today off, but it's okay. We'll be back here tomorrow. And he's like, no, didn't you hear the announcement? Anybody who participates today will not be able to walk during graduation. And I was like, oh, we didn't really think you were serious, and I'm playing it light. But before you know it, I find myself and the principal of our school in an argument back and forth. Now, let me give you a little context on who I am at this point. So I was the student in school who had started the Bible club in our school. I was also the student who uh, we had see with the pole every year in September where all the students would come and gather outside the, the flag and we pray together. I was the one who orchestrated that. And so now you have the president of the Bible club, the organizer of see with the pole in a heated debate with the principal in the school while other seniors are walking by. And so there's many peers who have this lasting impression of me arguing, looking probably like a total fool in front of, <laughs> in front of the class, in front of the principal. It was, it was a very humbling and embarrassing moment. And so, yeah, now we're all trying to win at the game of life, but we don't always succeed 100% of the time, do we? There's distractions, temptations, momentary lapses in judgment, we're really all just one decision away from disaster. And for those of you today who are Christ followers, it should be a desire of ours to listen closely to what the Bible says. It should be a desire of ours to follow exactly what it says. But maybe when I was sharing my embarrassing moment, you were thinking of a moment in your life where you kind of made a mistake or lacked some judgment as well. Maybe you were a hearer of the word, but not a doer of the word. I can't help but think in that moment, um, I was probably even wearing a bracelet that said WWJD. I can't help but think that, do you, I think that's how Jesus would have been responding in that moment, yelling back and forth about the principle about missing one single day of school. So it says in James 1.22, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. What's the opposite of being wise? Well, being foolish. 
And James says, if you only listen to God's word, but don't do what it says, then you're only fooling yourselves. James goes on to say uh, later in that chapter, for if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away and forget what you look like. A foolish person will listen, but then not obey. But a wise person will listen closely and follow exactly. That's how you win at the game, as Simon says, and that's how you win at the game of life. Now, in the Old Testament, there was an extremely wise man by the name of Solomon. And Solomon, he would become the third king of Israel. The first king of Israel was King Saul, followed by King David, who was Solomon's father. And Solomon, he would rule for 40 years from 970 to 931 BC. And Solomon became king right around the age of 20. And can you imagine being put in charge of an entire kingdom at age 20? Think back to when you were 20. How much responsibility did you really have? You know, maybe some of you were already a couple years into college and you found yourself serving as an RA and you had a little bit of responsibility and authority over some incoming freshmen or some returning sophomores. Maybe some of you went right into the workforce early and you were such a good worker that you worked yourself up into a position and then you, you were actually overseeing and you were in charge of people, many people, some who might have even been older than you. For those of you who have grown children, how much responsibility can you really entrust to your 20-year-old son or daughter? Let's say you have a family business. Are you comfortable handing that over to them at the age of 20, let alone an entire kingdom? So Solomon becomes king at a fairly young age, and real quickly, he realized that he didn't have everything that it took to be a great leader. In fact, in 1 Kings chapter 3, it says that the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, and God said, what do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. Verse 7, Solomon says, I am like a child who doesn't know his way around, and here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous they cannot be counted. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? God says, ask whatever you wish, and I will give it to you. And Solomon says, give me an understanding heart that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. If at the age of 20, if God had asked you, ask whatever you wish, and I will give it to you, what would you have asked for? Maybe a sports car, maybe your dream job, maybe a, 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 a college scholarship, or maybe having your college debt paid off, maybe for revenge on someone who had wronged you, or maybe you would, you would, uh, you would wish for having a guy or a girl give you some attention. But Solomon says, give me wisdom so I can govern your people well. It goes on to say that God was so pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you have asked for wisdom, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you asked for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has had or will ever have. And goes on to say in verse 14, and if you follow me and obey my decrees and my commands as your father did, I will give you a long life. And God not only goes on to bless him with long life, God is so pleased with Solomon that he's gonna bless him with honor and bless him with riches as well. 
So Solomon is blessed with a wise and understanding heart, more so than anyone else in all of history. And so throughout this series, we're going to look at a collection of sayings, and we're going to take some advice from the wisest man who ever lived. And it's our hope for you that through this series, that we can all learn to live in a way that honors God and honors others, that we can learn to have an understanding heart, and that we can learn to know the difference between right and wrong. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible app today, go ahead and turn to Proverbs chapter 1. We're going to be reading from the New Living Translation. Now, a proverb, a proverb is a short saying that expresses a universal truth for practical, righteous living. In the book of Proverbs, it contains primarily sayings by King Solomon, although there are some sayings that are written by some unidentified authors. And then when you get to chapters 30 and 31, you have Proverbs by Agar and King Lemuel. These Proverbs are sayings, they actually begin in chapter 10 of Proverbs and carry on all the way to the end of the book. Now, the first nine chapters of Proverbs, however, are written from the perspective of a father giving fatherly advice to his son. The father is encouraging his son to choose wisdom over foolishness. See, wisdom leads to wealth, honor, and life. But foolishness leads to poverty, shame, and ultimately death. You'll also notice throughout the first nine chapters of Proverbs that there are four poems from Lady Wisdom. And she's going to be shouting in the streets, giving a warning to those who do not listen to her words. And in these poems, Lady Wisdom creatively articulates that whenever you see someone being generous, whenever you see somebody living with sexual integrity or upholding justice, it's because they're drawing upon wisdom. Lady Wisdom makes it clear that all of humanity lives within God's moral code, and there's consequences if you choose to follow your own moral code. Now, I know several people who throughout their, their life, they consistently read one proverb a day, and they do this every single month, not just one month out of the year, but every time a new month starts, they'll start day one on Proverbs 1, and they'll carry that on all the way to you know, 30, 31 days, and they've been doing that over and over and over. And it just so happens that these people are some of the wisest people that I know. So I think there's actually something to taking in all this wisdom on a consistent basis. It truly does make you wiser. And so we're going to be doing that for the entire month of June as a church. And so every day we're reading one proverb together. Today is June 11th. So if you've been keeping up with us, you've probably already read Proverbs 11 today. Who's been reading the Proverbs this month by a show of hands? All right, a good amount of you. And if, if you aren't aware that we've been doing that, it's not too late to start. We're only at chapter 11, and most of these chapters only take about two to three minutes to read, so you can catch up pretty quickly. Uh, but I encourage you for the month of June to read one proverb every single day. And then for those of you who wish to continue that on, you can make that a, a daily habit, where in July, you pick that up and carry it on and do it over and over and keep filling yourself with, with the wisdom from the book of Proverbs. So Proverbs 1, beginning in verse 1. These are the Proverbs of Solomon. David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning of these proverbs and parables for the words of the wise and their riddles. 
Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. So whether you're a Christ follower or not, you can read through the book of Proverbs and you can gain wisdom and insight that is gonna help you in any area of your life. Now at the very beginning of this book, it states the purpose. It states that the purpose of Proverbs right here in verse two is to teach you wisdom and discipline to help you understand the insights of the wise. Verse three, to help you live a disciplined and successful life, to help you do what is right, what is just, what is fair. And verse four, to give you insight, knowledge, and discernment. Verse five, if you listen to these Proverbs, guess what? You will become wiser. So I wanna have a little fun here this morning, and I want us to play a game of Solomon Says. So all across the room, can I get everyone to stand up? Actually, I don't want to get everybody out right away. Solomon says, everyone stand up. All right, all right. And, and you know, if, you are, if you're watching online, you can play from home as well. I just encourage you, if you're listening to this while you're driving, maybe you don't do everything that I say. All right, but for the rest of us, let's play a game of Solomon says. Here we go. So Solomon says, if you'd like to understand the insights of the wise, clap your hands two times. All right, very good. Solomon says, if you'd like to have more discipline in your life, raise your right hand. All right, I saw some of you looking at your neighbor to make sure you're raising the right hand. All right, if you would like to have more money in your life, do a little show me the money. Very good, only a couple of you. Solomon didn't say on that. Now, there's actually a lot of wisdom in Proverbs when it comes to wealth and prosperity and money, but Solomon didn't say, there's no, there's no get-rich-quick scheme in the book of Proverbs. I'll save you some time right there. All right, let's do one more. All right, so if you would like to have better discernment in your life, Solomon says, fold your hands like you're praying to God. And this is the posture right here. If you want to have more discernment in your life, spend some time in prayer and ask God for wisdom. All right, you guys, I'll go ahead and have a seat. A bunch of you guys are out. All right, Solomon says, you guys can go and have a seat. Very good. So you got, you got to listen closely and follow exactly. And I wasn't even making you guys spin and hop on one foot. We kept it pretty simple for, for this morning. All right, so let's go back to verse 7 here. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. You know, verse 7 here in chapter 1, this is actually the first proverb in the book of Proverbs. The first six verses are really just an introduction telling you that if you study any further, that if you read, read beyond these verses, that you will gain wisdom, you will gain insight. It says here in verse seven, the foundation of this wisdom, the foundation of this true knowledge is built upon the fear of the Lord. Now, the fear of the Lord, this doesn't mean that you should be fearful of God's wrath. It doesn't mean that you should be fearful of eternal punishment. In this context, when it's talking about the fear of the Lord, it's talking about reverence, living a life of reverence and respect for our Heavenly Father. This is the foundation of true knowledge. But this true knowledge, this wisdom from God, it's something that must be sought out. You're not just going to be walking around one day and all this wisdom, boop, it's not just going to fall in your lap. You have to seek it out. You have to seek it out like you're looking for a lost treasure. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1. It says, my child, listen. Listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. 
Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord, and you will gain knowledge of God. For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. He guards the paths of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. Did you catch that in verse six? The Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So let me ask you, who or what are you listening to? When you're seeking knowledge and understanding, where are you turning for that information? Are you listening to what comes from his mouth or are you listening to something or someone else? You see, because in our world today, there's a lot of noise out there. There's a, there's a lot of things that you can be tuning into, that you can be listening to. Are you listening to politicians? Are you listening to musicians? Are you listening to podcasts, social media influencers? Who or what are you listening to to gain knowledge and understanding? Solomon says you need to listen closely, but it's so important that you're listening to the right source. The Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. You see, church, the Bible, the Bible is the inspired word of God. God has given us his word as a roadmap to gain wisdom, to gain understanding, to gain knowledge. When you read the word of God, you're listening to the voice of God. Have you ever found yourself saying, I don't feel like God's speaking to me? Are you reading the word of God? Because when you read the word of God, you listen to the voice of God. But when you read the word of God, let me ask you, are you listening closely? Are you listening closely? Or do you read it as if you're doing a daily chore? Just one of the spiritual disciplines. I prayed for a couple minutes. I read my Bible for a couple of minutes, got that done. Are you just trying to get out of the way? Or are you intently searching searching the scriptures like you're searching for a lost treasure. Because let me tell you, church, there's a huge difference in how you read and how you study the word of God. And I've been in ministry for 25, 26 years, and I have spent a lot of time counseling people. And let me tell you, it's pretty easy to tell the difference early on who's spending time in the word and who's just going through the motions. And one of the biggest indicators is a three-little word, J-O-Y, Joy. You can usually tell how much someone's in the scriptures by how much joy they have in their life. It even says so here in Proverbs 3.13. It says, joyful is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. When you diligently seek and search and study the word of God, it becomes ingrained in you, becomes a part of who you are. The knowledge and wisdom contained within the word of God, it will begin to seep into every area of your life. And guess what? It's going to reflect on your face. You're going to be walking around in joy because you have the knowledge and the wisdom of God inside you. Now, are you still going to face difficulties in your life? Yeah, absolutely. Will there still be moments when you're facing health issues, financial issues, relationship issues? Yeah, you better believe it. But you can experience joy even when you're going through those difficult seasons in your life. James chapter 1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind, 
Notice right here, it says when. It doesn't say if troubles. It says when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. When trouble comes your way, you will have joy in your life because the wisdom and the knowledge that comes from the Lord will help you to see things from an eternal perspective. Joyful is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. When you seek wisdom, guess what? You will find joy. Let's look at the next verse, Proverbs 3.14. says, For wisdom is more profitable, more profitable than silver, and her wages are better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire compares with her. Wisdom is more precious than anything else this life has to offer. And here's the thing. You don't need a doctorate or master's degree. I've never heard of somebody who has a doctorate in wisdom. You don't, you don't need a bachelor's degree. You don't even need a high school education to attain wisdom. You simply need to ask God, spend time in his word, but truly spending time in his word, seeking it as if you're trying to uncover a buried treasure. It is far more valuable than silver, far better than gold. Now, once you seek God's word and listen closely to his voice, you can't, you can't just stop there and say, well, that's good enough. You need to follow exactly and apply it to every area of your life. Solomon says, listen closely and follow exactly. James 1.22 says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. You know, I can read all the health and fitness booklets and magazines and pamphlets and articles in the world. I can learn everything there is to know about what days to do arms and legs, what I should eat after a workout, before a workout. But until I ever get off my couch and go to the gym, until I ever clean out my cupboards and my refrigerator and place all that junk food with healthy fruits and vegetables, I'm really just fooling myself. See, it's not just enough to attain the knowledge. You have to put it into practice. Back to Proverbs 3. For wisdom is more profitable than silver, and her wages are better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Verse 16, she offers you long life in her right hand and riches in honor in her left. She will guide you down delightful paths. All her ways are satisfying. Wisdom is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Happy are those who hold her tightly. Did you notice that in verse 16? It says that wisdom has two hands. In her right hand, she offers you long life. And then in her left hand, riches in honor. I want to show you an illustration that I saw Joseph Prince do many years ago. Joseph Prince is a pastor in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And this illustration does a great job of showing us what it means to embrace wisdom. And so I've asked a few volunteers, uh, Stephen and Samantha, to come up here and help me out with this. Uh, give a big hand to Stephen and Samantha here as they help me out. So Samantha, you can uh, just kind of take a stand right there. Uh, these two have been married for six, almost seven years, right? And they got uh, a very lovely family, uh, just adopted a few uh, 
officially, right, just a few months ago. And so they're going to help us show what it shows today, this illustration, what it means to embrace wisdom. So, Samantha, you are going to represent wisdom for us, okay? And is that how it works in your home, Stephen, I'm assuming? Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Very good. So this, this should be easy for you. All right. So in your right hand is long life. And then in your left hand, you've got riches in honor. Now, Stephen, what I want you to do, real simple, just want you to embrace your wife. Uh, Solomon says embrace your wife. Here you go. All right. So very good. And look what, look at, do you see what she was doing with her hands? So he was pursuing and going after wisdom. And what happened with the hands? They embraced him back. All right, you can, you can pause for just a second here. Now put your hands back out. And this is what happens. See, most people in life, they spend all their time, they spend all their energy, they spend all their effort going after riches, going after honor. And they, maybe they get it. Maybe they, everything goes right and they get riches and honor but they fail to get long life. They die at a young age, or they spoil and it's gone and it seems worthless. Now go ahead and embrace, embrace your wife one more time. So look, he can't even see. Yeah, go ahead, wisdom, you can embrace him back. He can't even see long life. He can't see riches and honor. He was focused on embracing wisdom. And all right, you guys can go, good job. Give them a hand, everybody. <laughs> and so when you go after wisdom, when you keep your eyes fixed on going after wisdom, you're going to get riches. You're going to get honor. You're going to get long life because wisdom will embrace you back. Let's look at this proverb in Proverbs 4. If you prize wisdom, she will make you great. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will place the lovely wreath on your head. She will present you with a beautiful crown. You see, so often in life what we do is we chase after the end result of wisdom, don't we? We often pray for the end result of wisdom when instead we should be praying for wisdom. If we would only pursue wisdom by listening closely and following exactly, then we would not only have riches and honor, but we would also have long life. Because the more we embrace wisdom, guess what? The more wisdom is going to embrace us. So let me ask you today. Are you embracing wisdom? Are you running after wisdom? Or are you simply running after the results of wisdom? When was the last time you actually prayed to God and asked for wisdom? Do you pray for wisdom? Or do you pray for the end result of wisdom? What if, what if instead of praying, God help me pass this test? What if you prayed, God, give me the wisdom and understanding that I need as I prepare for this exam? What if instead of praying, God, can you please provide more money so we can pay all of our bills? What if you said, God, please give me the wisdom to know how to utilize our finances better? What if instead of praying for the result of wisdom, we simply prayed for wisdom, just like it says in his word? James 1.5 says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. You see, Solomon could have asked for, for anything. He could have asked for anything. Riches, honor, long life, respect, vengeance. He could have asked for anything, but he asked for wisdom. 
You see, Solomon knew that wisdom was far more precious than silver. It was more costly than gold. It was more beautiful than diamonds. So whatever it is that you are lacking today, I encourage you to ask for wisdom. Just ask. Proverbs 2.6, for the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And after you ask, listen closely to his word and follow exactly what it says. Solomon says, listen closely, follow exactly. We're going to go into a time of response and and we're going to sing a beautiful hymn this morning that's really much more of a prayer, a prayer asking God for vision and for wisdom. And here's how I want you to respond today. Typically, we would stand and pray together and and then sing together, but I want to do a little bit differently today. I want you to, to spend a moment in prayer. You stay in your seats. You can bow your head. You can pray in the quietness of your heart. Feel free to Feel free to pray out loud. But take a few moments and think of the areas that you are lacking. And then instead of asking, instead of asking for the the end result of wisdom, just ask God, say, God, I'm lacking here. Give me wisdom in this area. Give me wisdom in this area. And see if our generous God will grant you the wisdom, the knowledge, the discernment, how to walk through every area of your life. Our band is going to lead us in that hymn as you're praying. And what, what do we do after we ask for something? You should be expecting to receive. Expect to receive something. And if you just need a little bit of wisdom, you're just asking for a little bit, just stay seated and open up your hands just a little bit. God's going to fill it up. But maybe you're asking for a lot. And so what's your posture to look like when you need to receive a lot? Do you just sit there with your hands opened like a little cup? If you need to receive so much, then then it might make sense for you to stand and to lift your hands and say, God, this is what I need. Cry out to him. Ask for wisdom and see how he responds. So right now, I just invite you all, spend some time in prayer. Ask the Lord for wisdom.